Welcome back, everyone, to Web3 Weekly. Uh, in today's episode, I am insanely excited to be able to sit down and have a conversation with Joey Lailyveld. I got it. I got it. Um, but I've been working yeah. on that for a little bit to make sure I got it right. But I'm extremely excited to be able to sit down and learn more about his past in the, the DJ industry, as well as his, uh, his path as an artist, what he's been doing with artist coaching and how he's helping other artists in this world, especially since he's from a um he's from the netherlands and lives in europe it's interesting to kind of learn about his life uh in europe and everything since obviously i'm in the u.s and it's going to be a lot different than, than what i've experienced so far and hopefully uh everyone in the audience watching or listening today can kind of get gather that same uh curiosity and saying uh maybe learn something today especially about the mental health aspect of artists and how artists cope with certain uh certain scenarios and then we'll get into some crypto aspects at the end and stuff like that but yeah, yeah joey thank you again for joining me would you mind to kind of just introduce yourself to the audience and uh let everyone know what's up sure well thanks first of all for having me it's uh it's an honor to be here and um just to, to make it a short introduction, um, I'm a former international DJ and music producer. Uh, I've been into the, the EDM scene, uh, worked a lot with guys like Hartwell, for example, uh, toured all over the world. Eventually ended up uh, quitting my career because of a, a burnout and depression. Some people might be familiar with uh, the story of Avicii, which is kind of similar to what happened to me. Um, and that kind of led to the next stage of my life, which has been artist coaching. So that's the, the company I run now, uh, where we coach artists on a mental and on a business level. Um, so that's what I've been doing now for the past seven years. And in the recent, let's say, two years, Web3 uh, came around the corner and, and grabbed my attention. And that's what I've uh, been doing like 50% of my time now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm, I think it's really cool. The aspect of like how you have a, you've, you've been in that spotlight before. So you're able to help artists cope with what they're currently dealing with. And I guess we can, where I want to start is honestly kind of your origin story. If that makes sense. Like let's, let's first, let's talk about your, um, your journey as a DJ. Like what, what maybe first got you into DJing because Personally, I'm very into like house music, EDM, especially like going to the gym or just just having an upbeat night, if that makes sense. But uh, yeah, what's your what was your journey into DJing and everything like that? Well, it all started when I was around 15 years old. Um, I, somehow, it just seemed fun to me to to play at like uh, you know have a drive-in show, have like a DJ drive-in show with a friend of mine. And we started doing that. We started building our own DJ deck and, and got booked by our friends to play at their birthday parties and graduation parties and those type of things at people's homes. Uh, so we brought our own material, our own gear, and, and yeah, we started playing there. And from there, someone um, who owned the bar heard about us and was looking for a new DJ. So uh, he asked us to to play there as well. So that's when we started playing in the in the local bars, local town. And once I started playing more, I was feeling like, okay, I want to make my sets different from other artists. How can I do that? 
I can only do that by playing my own music or create remixes and stuff like my own versions of other people's music. So I needed to learn how to make music. So I started doing that. And just to give you a different perspective, because I'm guessing you're a bit younger than I am. How old are you? Uh, I'm 18. Yeah, I'm, I'm 34. So uh, about 15 years ago, when all of this was happening, internet and stuff, social media was just getting started. So um, Facebook wasn't there yet. We were using Hives, which was kind of like Facebook at that time. And I used those platforms to build my music and to build my brand on social media, which was yeah, kind of new for everyone at that time. So that really helped me to amplify and to boost uh, my audience. And th that really went fast. And when I started releasing music on major labels as well, that's when things kind of exploded as in uh, when things went international. So uh, Sony Music, for example, Spinning Records is a big EDM label, which you might know. A lot of hits are being released there. Like all those things helped me to, yeah, to get the attention of an international audience. And that brought me to an international stage. Especially like you just mentioned the, the international stage. How would you compare the USA like DJ EDM scene compared to like Europe? Because I know like raves and stuff are much more popular in Europe than they are in the US. But like what's your experience and opinion on that? Well, it's 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 a bit weird to me, as in here in the Netherlands, a lot of people say house music was kind of uh, born here. You know, uh, we all know that it started in, in the States, um, but it, it definitely has a big fundament here in the Netherlands. Um, and as you said, there's a lot of parties here. We're, we're such a small country. I think in population, we're just we're like New York. That's it. And that's a whole country. But there's so many things happening here. And somehow it's in our culture. I'm not sure why, but it's somehow dance music is in the culture of Dutch people. And um, I think what's different, because I've toured in the States as well a couple of times. And I'm not sure if there's anything different. You know, the, the main thing that I see is that events in the Netherlands are um, much better organized as in the organization of the events is much better, but that's probably because we have a lot of experience in that. Um, but aside from that, you know, the parties, I think American people are a bit more, bit more crazy, to be honest. Yeah, I can definitely, um, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that, that the Americans are a little crazy, especially when it comes to music festivals and stuff. We just, we almost like riot. I don't know if anyone's seen the, have you seen the Woodstock 99 Not documentary no, it's, by it's chance? On, it's on my, uh, it's on my like list. That, that will check every like stereotype box you have about America. crazy. It's probably one of the best documentaries on Netflix. It's great. Yeah. I've been to, um, I think I've been to Ultra, uh, Ultra, um, Ultra Music in Miami. You know that? Yeah. I've been there yeah, a couple I've of years. That, yeah. I've been in oh, there a nice. couple of years ago, and that was the first time I didn't, I hadn't toured in the States yet at that moment. So it was the first time I saw, yeah, US parties. And I saw so many people dressed up in like those rave clothes. And like, I was like, what the fuck is actually happening? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's different. Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah. if you ask me the difference between the States and the Netherlands, we're a bit more 
conservative or something. I'm not sure what to, how to say that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I can see that, especially like you saying more, a bit more conservative. That's definitely, or like in Europe, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. I could, yeah, because I've been to, I've been to Amsterdam before, so I can kind of, I, I have a little bit of knowledge around that. But um, yeah. What what what's the feeling like performing at some of these festivals? Whether it's in the U.S., whether it's in Europe, um, I guess we can kind of transition into more the artist side. Like, how does that feel to be in front of so many people and just making so many people happy? It's weird, you know. It's um, it's definitely something you need to get comfortable with uh, because it's not natural. At least not for me. I really needed to get comfortable behind the stage. And uh, especially as a young kid, I was 18, 20 years old at that time. And most kids are still struggling with uh, self-doubt at that moment. You don't really have a clear vision on who you are as a person. You're not fully developed at that point, but you are being thrown at a crowd of 20,000 people who all judge you and who all have an opinion about you. Uh, So that can be hard to deal with, but the feeling in general, I've never done drugs. I've only like, yeah, I've done like uh, weed a couple of times, but not really liked it, but I've never done any hard drugs, but I can imagine that some kind of drugs could have the same feeling because it really takes you into this different space, literally uh it's really like a high and um yeah it's a great feeling obviously yeah and um i think i've heard like a lot of artists talk about how like it's almost addicting being in front of so many people and like being wanted and being like this almost like godly figure in front of so many people yeah that's mainly it like you get kind of addicted to the attention uh, because you're used to the fact that the the whole world spins around you, um, yeah. And and you kind of, the more you play, the more popular you get. The more you take that home with you as well. So you start to create a self image of where you start to believe the world actually runs around you. Yeah. And yeah. and that's the problem because that's not the case, you know. But um, that that's one of those mental challenges that co- could come. Uh, that could be challenging once you start to become more successful. God. Yeah, that is understandable, especially with like you, the highs, just like any drug, it just, you, you keep wanting, you keep chasing that high again. And then like the come down as well with any drug, like what was the come down like in your experience? You mentioned like how it kind of transfers into your home life, but what's like the come down from the euphoricness of being like in front of so many people? I think for a touring DJ, so someone who's on the, on the road a lot, uh, the come down is like being on your own so much and uh, like standing in front of so many people, getting all the attention and 30 minutes later, you're on your own in the dressing room or in your hotel room, uh, Skyping with your family or with your girlfriend. So the loneliness part uh, and, and uh, the, the, the huge space between huge crowds and being on your own like that that's the that's a hard thing to to deal with yeah and like like how would you personally feel like when you like left the stage like how did you deal with that i was always when i left the stage i was still on on like a high i, I felt like i could 
like I, I ruled the world, everything was possible, uh, always ready to party after stage because yeah, you were on a high, so you wanted to have like a beer or two or three or yeah, you feel yeah. it invincible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely see that. And would you say like your work life balance was kind of non-existent? Well, the work life like? balance. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was like a problem to me. I don't think so, to be honest, because, um, I never really felt like I worked a lot um, because I liked most of the things that I did. And I'm, I'm not, I don't believe that that was the problem why I eventually turned uh, into depression or whatever. Um, so for me personally, that never has been a problem, the work-life problem. It, to, to me personally, it was more like a identity problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in... Like when you decided to kind of slow down, I guess your your DJing and the amount of like times you were in front of a crowd. What led you to want to like help other artists with like the problems they might be going through? Well, after I quit my career myself, that got me thinking. Like, okay, what do I want to do now? Because before that my whole life was kind of focused towards this one point which was becoming successful in music i quit my school i didn't have a degree like all those decisions were part of the goal of becoming a successful dj and i was i was uh, on a good way to to achieve that but unluckily like somewhere around around the top i kind of find out that it wasn't made for me um so the hardest thing for me was like finding a new passion finding a new goal in life and um once i found that i was thinking like okay why wasn't there any help for me during my time as a a career like why wasn't there someone who could have helped me with these things with these problems or who could have maybe warned me or helped me with preventing it from making those mistakes um and that got me thinking, like, hey, maybe there's a business there, you know, because I don't know of anyone who does this. So I started Googling, couldn't find anyone. So I was like, okay, it's just a niche, you know, like nobody's really doing this. So why not be the first to do it? Uh, and yeah, that, that's actually why I started doing it. I thought there was a, that there was a big market for it, who, uh, which wasn't being tapped into. Yeah. And like with the, like, especially when you were starting out like helping artists and finding your passion like how did you how did you reach out to artists and like i guess how did you start like your business if that makes sense well i was in a lucky place because i had built my own audience on social media i had like uh, approximately ninety thousand people on facebook i had like twenty thousand people on instagram twenty thousand people on twitter so i built my audience on on those channels which i could communicate with and most of those people on in the audience were artists themselves as well, or at least 20% of them. So the minute I started rebranding the whole thing, I started telling people like, hey, I'm not an artist anymore, but I start with this coaching service, blah, blah, blah. Um, a lot of people already approached me instantly because I have already proven myself. Like they, they knew I wasn't talking shit because I've been in the spot myself. So uh, my my career was kind of my resume at that moment. Okay, that makes sense. So like you already had connections inside the inside the space. You understood what was going on, and yeah, and, I, I and with before, your experience as a DJ, 
you can definitely see how that's very you have like a lot of credibility exactly like the, the biggest challenge for a company or for an artist or for an athlete or whatever is to prove themselves you know like create credibility that's that takes a lot of time to build that but once you've got it you can use it for as many things as you would like as long as you don't fuck it up um and when i decided to rebrand the whole thing i actually never thought about it but it ended up being pretty easy because i could use my same credibility as an artist that i've built there for many years as a coach mm-hmm. and and, and trusted yeah yeah so um say let's say i'm an artist whether it be any type of uh, genre music or any type of artist and i come to you for coaching like how do you what the what exactly does your company do to help me the artist Mm -hmm. it's um it really depends on what the the client is looking for because it's fully custom we don't believe that there's a one-size-fits-all for artists Uh, everyone's different every human being is different so everyone needs different attention but how it works is we first start off with an intake call where we listen about uh, where we listen to the story of the client what's he or she dealing with and what can we help with and can we help yes or no that's also important are we the right company for you yes or no Um, and then from that moment the coaching program starts it's a never-ending program so we believe that we can be of value till the end of time because your life changes you get different challenges and we've been on on all those uh, aspects of your career from start a DJ till Tomorrowland and everything in between. Um, so every every month we will sit down for at least an hour and we simply zoom out on your life and on your career and, and have a look on in a bigger perspective and say like, hey, how are you actually doing? Are you still happy with how things are going? How do you feel as a person? Are you happy? Uh, how's your relationship going? How's your family doing? And also how's your career going? What what could you do? What could you improve? Um, does something need to change? Like maybe you want to switch charmers. Maybe you want to leave a label. Uh, maybe you want to a- exit your manager. Like those type of things. Constantly keep your finger on the pulse to check, am I still towards my goal? Or am I kind of like um, diverting from it? Yeah, that, that 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 that's like an understandable thing for uh, like a uh, artist to want to go through, especially with the one month, like or just sit down. Uh, it doesn't take a lot. Doesn't take a lot of their time, and also can help like just schedule no. a path that they they won't diverge from the path if they understand like where the path is supposed to go. Yeah, and and the reason why we did it monthly is because it's so easy to get um, distracted by the day to day things. And the bigger you get, the more small things come onto your path and you kind of lose the big picture. So you're focusing on details on a daily basis, but you forget about why you actually do this and what things you do like and what things you don't like. So simply by checking in every month, we keep finger on the pulse and you can uh, change your direction pretty quickly instead of wasting six months and then finding out, fuck, I made the wrong decision. So by doing this every month, you, you're never losing that much time because you can get back to the, to, the, to the core every month. Yeah, that makes sense, especially like 
there's so much stuff that goes on day to day. You put that perfectly where it's just like you anything can happen that might diverge you. If you stay on if you stay on the right path, stay focused, you can uh the artist can get to where where they need to be. But I guess more of the like mental health side and stuff. How do you help an artist like understand fame and deal with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, depends. Sometimes we simply try to uh, give them insights on their own behavior. So uh, if someone is not really consciously consciously aware of the fact that they might be addicted to something, you know, like to the stage or to the attention or to dr- to drinking or to drugs or whatever, like sometimes people are not really aware of their own behavior, and we try to make that insightful for them without necessarily telling them. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. yeah. Like we just start yeah. asking questions. I I draw a lot, so I draw a lot on the board to to give people a visualization of what they're saying, which is really beneficial for most clients um, because then they see it in front of them. You know, like they can see what their life or they can see what they've just told me. Um, so that's a way, and um, sometimes we just teach them things as well. Like I, I've I've done my educations, I've read a lot of books. So sometimes I just I'm just a teacher in some kind of ways as well. Yeah. yeah. And I kinda wanna know a little bit more about your like business side of that, uh obviously business with artist coaching. Like if do you mind to disclose kind of how your company like generates revenue? Yeah. Yeah, it's mainly the coaching services. So uh, it's the the monthly subscriptions that we, well, yearly subscriptions actually, yearly programs that we sell. Uh, we have an online academy, which is fully online and self-paced. Um, and that's about it. It's not that uh, not that difficult. Yeah, it's a simple business model, but it's helping people in the right way and it's doing the right things. But um, I guess yeah, and- we can... Yeah, keep going. Yeah, and at the same time, like um, it's flexible and super easy to understand for the client. But at the same time, it's also the way how I want to run a company because I don't want to be dealing with a lot of things the whole day. Like I, I want the online academy to run itself. It's all automated. I don't want to spend too much time on that. And if I spend time with a person one-on-one, I want to be there. And I don't want to be with my head in another meeting or whatever, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I, I do believe that if someone books a, a, a coaching call, they deserve my attention. Got it. Got it. That's true. Cause like, if you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna help someone, you might as well give them your full attention because that's the only way you're going to help them. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. you, I mean, you, yeah. put, you put that perfectly, but, um, I guess we can kind of venture a little bit into why we're here, especially with what you're doing now. Uh, you're still doing like the artist coaching, but we can kind of do focus more on like what you're working on right now with crypto and your podcast and everything. So would you first kind of explain what you're doing inside this space before we kind of go into the nitty gritty? Yeah. Well, at this point, I uh, I host my own podcast, a weekly podcast in the Netherlands. Uh, it's also in Dutch about uh, yeah Web three. So in, um, in in the the broadest way, everything that's that that's included in Web three, we try to cover in that podcast. Uh, and on the other hand, I also try to yeah help artists and help creative people to 
understand more about Web3 and how to implement it into their careers to you to yeah got to it. use it to build yeah. their careers. Yeah. What got you first in the crypto? Like you're you're helping other people uh learn and just understand crypto. Like what first got you into it? Well, the first time was 2017, just as anyone else probably, when uh, Bitcoin went up and a lot of people made money. Uh, I started to buy Bitcoin as well, but I really didn't understand what the hell it was. I was just like throwing money at it and I never really understood what it was. Uh, then when everything went down again, I never looked back and I didn't touch it for a couple of years. And then in 2020, yeah, 2020, um, during COVID, I listened to a podcast or something and that kind of went deeper and I was like, okay, so this is this is what it's about. It's more than just a fake coin that goes up and down, you know, there's more to this. And that really triggered me to, to uh, go deeper into it and find out what this was about. So then I started first learning more about crypto and money and that kind of things. And then NFTs came on my path. And that's where everything clicked for me because... When I saw the NFT technology and what it could do for creative people, I was like, holy shit, this is, this is the next big thing, you know? Um, at that point, I kind of handled quickly and, and uh, got an ID to start selling uh, memorable moments. So unique uh, sports moments, for example, or unique music moments. Um, and we did that for a couple of months just to try out if it worked, and it did. Um, so we sold the the world record of marathon running, for example, um, from Elliot Kipchoge, which is an athlete, and um, like those type of things. We we did we did that in a couple of months, which was super fun. But that was like a trial tryout for us. Like, okay, is this possible? And are are we right here? Does this work like like we think it works? And that ran really well. And then I thought like, okay, I want to go all in. So that's when I spent about a year and a half, maybe two years, like full in-depth, listening to all the podcasts, reading blogs, really eager to learn more about this. Uh, and that's where I'm, not, where I'm at now. Like uh, right now, I feel like I've got enough knowledge to uh, help people and to, to spread the knowledge as well with the podcast. And that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Is there any certain reason why you're keeping the podcast like fully in Dutch? Could you kind of explain that? Um, yes, because I've been doing most of my podcasts in English for the past uh, five years. With artist coaching, we've did over 200 episodes and still are doing. Um, but when it comes to Web3, in the States or in English, there's there's quite a lot of podcasts you can listen to you know it's still not that much but you can have a decent amount of good podcasts to listen to but in the netherlands once we started to look for a decent web3 podcast there were two and i was like aha okay so that's that's like a more interesting market plus um not necessarily for me but for my co-host which is my brother um speaking dutch is it's more native to us eventually like I've I've been speaking English so much during my life that it's kind of become my second language, um, but it's not for everyone, obviously. Yeah, and do you think like keeping the podcast fully in Dutch will like increase the amount of people you're able to help 
just because there are people in the Netherlands that speak Dutch can't access as many podcasts. Yeah, I, I really believe in in uh, niche markets. It's better to have like a small, super in-depth niche market than like a super broad, big market that's on the surface. Uh, I like going into the deep instead of staying on the surface. So I'd rather have less clients, which I have deep connections with and deep relationship with and uh, which we can work with for a longer time than having a million clients that I've never seen. Yeah, that that's that that makes a lot of sense, especially with um, like I mean, there's a lot of career paths like that where it's more important to have small but tight instead of just broad and having a bunch for that you really barely even know. But could, yeah. would you kind of talk like with the podcast you're doing? Like, what's your goal with it, and like how are you like maybe what topics are you explaining, or kind of how are you helping people understand what's going on in crypto? Yeah. Well, as I said, it's like uh, a really broad, um, really wide variety variety in in topics. So we go from DAOs. Last week, we had like a guy who uh, created his own own decentralized beer um, to a guy who built a payment hub for crypto and fiat. And we have... um, People from fashion brands coming over, telling about how they've implemented Web3 elements. Like It's really from left to right. We're trying to cover anything because we want to show the audience what's already happening at this point. And that that this is not something that's going to blow over and disappear. It's already happening and it's happening fast. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, this, this space is constantly moving. It's constantly growing. It feels like five minutes in a cryptos 10 minutes or five minutes in cryptos like a year in real time yeah. or whatever i don't know yeah. um but is there kind of anything else you want to talk about whether it be about the podcast about what you're doing in your life or i guess what does the uh the future look like for joey well at this point i'm kind of um discovering of what my focus is going to be for the next five maybe 10 years. Uh, I'm not a big fan of looking that far into the future because you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, But still, it's good to have some sort of um, step on the horizon. Uh, So for now, I'm not really sure where things are headed. And that's why I'm investing into the podcast that much is because I want to build a network. You know, I want to learn and want to get to know as many people in Web3 as possible because I believe... It's super early. It's such a small industry at this point that if you invest now, 10 years from now, you might know the next Bill Gates and the next this and the next that, you know. Uh, So that will pay out eventually. And I'm just super interested in everything that's happening. So for now, that's it. But maybe in three years, if someone something else crosses my path, which is another opportunity, I might go there, you know. I'm I'm not really um, bonded to this one goal. Got it. Yeah. And would you kind of describe maybe uh, how people can kind of check out your content, maybe where they can find who you are and what you're doing? Sure. I've got my socials, socials, obviously, which is at Joey Suki on all platforms. Um, If you want to know more about my story as an artist, I've wrote a book about it, which is available for free. 
Uh, there's also an audiobook available on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you use to listen. It's called Unhappy with a Dream Life from Joey Suki. And that's, uh, that's kind of my, uh, my life story as an artist. Uh, but if you really want to go and have like more content about what I do, I put out content on a daily basis on uh, at Joey Suki. Got it. I'll have the links to everything as well as his socials, sure. uh, the artist coaching and everything, and the podcast in the description. And about the audiobook, I highly recommend it. It's, it was very interesting to just be like, whoa, like this dude went through this, this dude did that. It was it, it was sick to learn. And um, I'll have the links to that in the description as well. I highly recommend it. Um, please, Thanks. yeah, go go check it out if anyone's listening and wants to learn more about Joey. Just because um, we we're not we're not we don't have four hours to talk about his story like a Joe Rogan podcast. We're just trying yeah. to hit all the solid big points here and just learn more about each other and kind of form a relationship yeah. in Web three to kind of grow together and help make some content and everything like that. So. If anyone in the audience does want to help continue to support the podcast, it would be much appreciated. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Um, you can either like share the show, you can share this episode with a friend, you can follow us on on like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, it's all Web3 Weekly Pod. It's very easy to find on there, the same logo for everything. Feel free to like this video or give us five stars on Spotify. That That's greatly appreciated as well. And um, Joey, I just want to thank you again as well, like taking time out of your day. Um, I know it's it's morning here, but it's late afternoon there. So I yeah. appreciate you taking some time out of your late afternoon to come teach me about your history as well as uh, your future. And if there's anything you ever need, feel free. My uh, my door's always wide open. And so if you ever want to come back on and maybe talk about what you're doing, I, I'd love to have you back on. Yeah. And a part two is definitely uh, a possibility and, and something that should, that should happen in the future. So yeah, guys, that's going to be it for me. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation. It's great. And I can't wait for the next one. Joey, do you have anything else you'd like to say? No, not really. I just thanks for having me and and sharing uh, my story. And yeah, it's nice to see what you're doing with the podcast. So continue doing it. Awesome. You as well. And uh, we'll grow together. It'll be fun. Amazing. All right. Everyone, everyone listening, have a great rest of your day. We'll see you guys. Bye.